0: save the date for the 12th of september join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing we are exploring how iot ai and smart factories are reshaping our sector hear from industry leaders like airbus rolls-royce and harriet watt university this is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing so register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk webinar That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had the most insightful and interesting conversation with Rupert Gatti, the CEO of Coolkit. They are the UK's leading manufacturer of temperature controlled vans. He talked about everything from his unique journey into the commercial vehicle industry, and the hard work and determination that has propelled him and the business to the top of the industry. We talk about the problems that Coolkit solve for their customers, why customers choose to work with them over the competition, how they ensure the longevity of the brand, both now and over the next 10 years. We also talked about what the biggest growth areas are for the business and how COVID-19 has affected them and how they've responded. You're gonna absolutely love the conversation from Redfern Media, this, is remake manufacturing. My guest this week is Rupert Gatti, the CEO and owner of CoolKit, the UK's largest multi award winning manufacturer of refrigerated vans. He has been in the industry since 1995 and their products are used by the food service, pharmaceutical wholesaling, catering, sampling, and courier industries. And since 2010, they have grown the business by more than 40% year on year. Welcome to the show, Rupert.
1: Thanks for making me welcome, Nathan.
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to getting into your background and history and success in in a lot more detail because you've been on a fascinating journey. So... You get into the commercial vehicle industry in around 1995. Give us a thumbnail sketch of how you got into the business to begin with. And what have been some of the most significant milestones that have gotten you to where you are in your career today?
1: Prior to getting into refrigerated vehicles, I've been in the business of hiring and leasing equipment of one kind or another. And uh, one day, a friend of mine offered me an opportunity to help him to grow a, a fledgling business that had found itself specialising in renting uh, refrigerated vehicles, having previously just been a, a, an ordinary, everyday van and truck rental company. So we found ourselves specialising in renting refrigerated vans for a living. Uh, after a period of fairly rapid growth, the owner of the business sold it. And I worked for the company that it was sold to for a while, but following that, we decided that um, instead of renting vehicles for for a living, we'd look at at building these specialist vehicles for a living. Such had been our frustration with the supply chain at the time. So we set about doing that by acquiring a a company in difficulty. Um, That was probably going back to about uh, 2002. Uh, But by 2005, it became clear that that there were severe difficulties with this company and it was placed into administration. And and that was the point at which I decided to, to go it alone. Uh, so I bought uh, what's described as the business and assets from the administrator and I incorporated coolkit with just four employees and uh, well since then it's grown 20 uh, fold uh, we employ about hundred people these days um, the, the greatest challenge is you know the, the the milestones that you asked for I guess um, uh, th- th- there have been plenty uh, but but two of the most substantial ones uh, back in 2013. There was a, a whole load of additional legislation and regulatory controls um, uh, that were known as whole vehicle type approval. And uh, basically, this uh, meant they had to be instantly well qualified before you were permitted to modify brand new vehicles. And so that put us in a kind of elite of people who, who carried the necessary certification. Sure. And um, more recently, just in the last year or two, there's been another new set of regulations which are known collectively as WLTP and it's the worst acronym in the world but it's the worldwide harmonized light duty vehicle testing program.
0: (laughs) Wow I prefer WLTP.
1: Yeah well WLTP is all about the impact of what we do when we modify a vehicle on its emissions because obviously vehicle emissions are very hot topic with the government's announcement that that everything must have an aspect of electrification by 2030. Mm. So, hopefully, that gives you a good sort of uh, background into um, uh, how I ended up there and some of the things that were more challenging. There, there are other things. Um, you know, we have to comply with the requirements of our customers' own regulations. And so, you mentioned in your introduction uh, that we're in the business of providing vehicles for pharmaceutical distribution. And everybody in this COVID era will have heard by now of the MHRA, mm-hmm. which is the Medical and Healthcare Care Regulatory Agency. And they set very demanding standards for the style in which goods are transported. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I was to encapsulate the, the most challenging aspects of this in a nutshell, uh, it would be regulation.
0: Mm really interesting so we'll come back to some of those bigger trends a little bit later in terms of sort of how the market has shifted and moved over the over the years um what type of businesses do you typically work with i mean we mentioned some of them at the top of the introduction but give us an idea of what the vans are typically transporting who are typically some of your biggest clients
1: okay so um as you were kind enough to say our our customers are uh in the business of uh, Wholesaling food and pharmaceuticals. They also come from the uh, catering uh, industry. So whether that's industrial catering, or you know, like a canteen at a at a, at a big factory, or whether it's uh, catering at somebody's wedding, for example, mm. uh, there's a need to get produce to that place where the food's being served, uh, and to maintain it in a satisfactory condition uh, until it gets there. Mm. We uh, also supply what I refer to as the sampling industry. And uh, what does that mean? Um, Well, basically, again, it's to do with regulation. And if you think back to various food scandals like, uh, you know, the horse meat scandal uh, where certain retailers were accused of selling horse meat instead of steak, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of burden of proof on those retailers now to prove that what they're selling is as per... Uh, description sure. and therefore a whole business has evolved, uh, whose role it is is to uh, drive around food production plants, collecting samples of uh, the products that have been prepared and taking them to a laboratory for analysis. And to be effectively analysed in the laboratory, they need to be uh, maintained in a, a regulated and, and temperature-controlled environment. Okay, so that means that there's a job for us to do to. To see to it that the the product doesn 't deviate from the temperature at which it left uh, that plant or factory mm. um, going further with the sampling industry, uh, each of the water companies uh, around the u k in the northwest of England where i 'm based that's a company called United Utilities, but there are others like the Yorkshire water and Welsh water c- companies in every region mm. but they uh, they have a very serious obligation to satisfy the the water regulator, uh, what who you may have heard of, the Office for Water Regulation, um, they have to take samples of water from a catchment area mm. and from uh, their sewers and wastewater uh, locations to ensure that they're maintaining satisfactory uh, bacterial levels in those fluids. Um, and then over and above that, um, we find ourselves satisfying the needs of the uh, home delivery market, which is growing quite substantially uh, and rapidly, especially since everybody's been housebound with COVID. Mm. And just recently, we've secured a, a large contract uh, with a, a company called The Modern Milkman, who's seen real steep growth in demand for their services, delivering produce uh, to the doorstep in the style of the old-fashioned milkman, but delivering a, a broader range of products. Mm. Uh, some of the businesses we deal with, particularly in the catering sector, they're very small businesses. They might be sole traders or uh, small partnerships. Um, or in some cases, you know, when we're dealing with um, some of the biggest pharmaceutical operations in the UK, we supply the the companies that supply the, the high street names uh, Boots, Chemist and, and Lloyd's Pharmacy. And obviously these are, these are huge multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, we've got to keep looking at, uh, at how we're uh, approaching our customers and uh, uh, how we're going about finding solutions to their widely differing
0: needs. Really interesting. So, as you said, you you work with clients that have very different requirements, very different needs, and very different problems that need to be solved, but all with a regard to keeping very high standards as far as the temperature control in your vans are concerned. How do you ensure that the temperature is something that clients can always rely on? How how are clients made comfortable by the fact that they know that the temperature that you set is the temperature that will be delivered, considering that they're transporting very valuable temperature-sensitive products all around the country?
1: Well, uh, there's two aspects to maintaining a temperature-controlled environment. The first aspect is keeping out as much of the heat as you possibly can from the outside world. Uh, And you do that by effectively insulating the interior. So putting up a a layer of competent thermal insulation that protects what's happening in the ambient temperature outside with the temperature inside the vehicle. Now, obviously that's always a compromise if we're gonna retain the functionality of the original shape of the van, its original doors and that kind of thing. So that it's easy to get in and out of and uh, and easy to use and easy to keep secure. Mm. So because it's a compromise, it means that it's much less than perfect and some heat inevitably leaks in. So what we do is we fit a refrigeration unit in conjunction with the insulation and provided you choose a refrigeration unit that can extract heat from the inside of the van more quickly than the insulation lets it leak in, then you can keep in control of the temperature, uh, if you understand, by turning the refrigerated system on and off. As necessary. Now, of course, it's all thermostatically controlled and and automated. Um, but to 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 answer your question about how we precisely ensure the temperature can be relied upon, a lot of it's uh, about testing and testing and testing, and about calibration and measurement, and and, um, and through experience as well. Um, you know, building large numbers of of these products for our our customers in these very diverse applications to satisfy the needs especially those in pharmaceutical wholesaling we've had to submit our vehicles for extensive thermal testing using facilities like um, the, the one opposite uh, operated by uh, an organization called myra myra is the motor industry research association and they have uh, climatic uh, chambers for for testing what happens in in different environments right and um you know, if we can satisfy the onerous requirements of those tests, it gives people a lot of confidence in what we do. Um, but thereafter, it's all about providing uh, an appropriate frequency and standard of maintenance to ensure that the equipment's maintained to a high standard. Uh, because being refrigeration systems that contain, uh, you know, refrigerants under pressure, you know, they're they're highly volatile and they're they're prone to failure if you don't look after them.
0: So, so why do clients choose to work with CoolKit over some of the other competitors that may be available to them in the market?
1: And I, I suppose it depends on, uh, uh, on what type of business they are because we, se- we sell to such a, a diverse range of uh, customers. They, they value different things. So for example, if we're selling to a major fleet, quite often, whilst our agreement on what we're building is, is with the, the end user, as we call the fleet that's going to be using the vehicle, our contract is is often actually with a, a vehicle leasing company, which is often uh, a bank-owned entity that's selling finance for vehicles, mm-hmm. and so they would choose us because they they have confidence that we're we're highly accredited to all the standards required by the uh, the whole vehicle type approval and the WLTP that I referred to. And, and also that we're compliant with other standards that ensure that the vehicles are safe in use. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, uh, that might mean that we have to comply with, with, with standards that measure the ability of the vehicle to withstand the impact of a moving load in the event of a collision. And so there's a there's an international standard for how much weight a bulkhead that separates uh, a driver from his moving load, uh, that the standard measures how much weight uh, can be withstood in in such an event. And if we can demonstrate compliance with that, then quite often uh, we'll be chosen uh, solely for reasons of that compliance because banks being largely risk-averse institutions will buy from uh, vehicle converters who present themselves as being the least risky proposition. Sure. Now, at the other end of the scale, if we're dealing with a a small business – that might just be uh, it. Might be a butcher's shop, for example, and he might only have one van. Now, this kind of buyer, he doesn't care too much about risk aversion uh, or any other uh, uh, advanced accreditations that we might have taken. Mm. What he needs, if he's won a uh, a new contract, or if he's been unfortunate enough to be in a collision with his existing vehicle, or if it's blown up because it's become too old what he needs is something really quickly because if he has to rent a refrigerated van, it'll cost him a fortune. Mm. Okay. On a sort of spot higher arrangement, like a daily rental arrangement. Mm. So he's keen to avoid that cost at all times. And he'll choose to buy a vehicle offers because we have one ready built for him. And therefore he won't have to wait months for a factory to build him a van. And then maybe another month for, for me to, to convert or modify it. So, That's a different kind of arrangement that he requires. Right. And then um, your ordinary, average, everyday food service company that forms the, the mainstay of our customer base, they often buy from us for reasons of the productivity that they get from the vehicles that we modify. So what that means is we modify them using methods and materials which forfeit as little of the precious payload that they have left aboard their vehicle which means that if they can carry more load on every journey, then ultimately they need fewer vans and fewer drivers, fewer risks and fewer costs at large. Mm.
0: One of the things that springs to mind is what you said earlier around the trend towards electrification that the industry seems to be moving towards for obvious reasons, sustainability and and the human beings damaging the planet as we are. Yeah. What are what are some of the challenges that CoolKit and other suppliers like yourselves have when moving towards greater electrification of their vehicles yeah. and moving away from sort of traditional carbon burning, uh, um, traditional engines? Fossil fuels, yeah. Fossil fuels. <laughs> that's the word.
1: Okay, Nathan. Uh, so that's a good question. It's, it's the hottest topic uh, in the industry, really. Uh, Since the Prime Minister's announcement that uh, 2030 was his new ambitious goal, uh, the wheels have been turning much more quickly. And this presents uh, a multitude of uh, problems for us as converters of uh, refrigerated vehicles. So the the most obvious ones, perhaps, are to do with uh, the range of the vehicle and the productivity of the vehicle. So in terms of the range, everybody knows or has heard the expression range anxiety. So, you know, when you're driving an electric vehicle, the chances are you're going to be very nervous about whether or not you're going to make it to the next charging station, whether or not you're going to have the right app to download any electricity. The, the concept of uh, range anxiety is something that the motor manufacturers have to overcome to really boost sales of electric vehicles. And the, the, the way that this uh, affects us at CoolKit is that um, if we need uh, power of our own to make the refrigeration functional uh, and we're further depleting the vehicle's batteries by taking power for that purpose, you can end up with an even worse range scenario because the vehicle's battery is in fact potentially powering two appliances, one being a vehicle, one being a refrigeration unit. Mm. So we have to choose equipment that only consumes a limited amount uh, of uh, electricity, uh, or we have to provide an independent array of batteries, uh, which means that the vehicle's own power source won't be affected by this additional item on board that's consuming electricity. So by choosing cooling equipment... Um, which, A, is very efficient in its operation and, and suited to electrical powering. We, we have a choice of, of using either an independent or, or an integral power source, but whichever we choose, it's really important that we use really what I'd call heavy-duty insulation. So it's at the high end of specification to make sure that that minimum amount of heat leaks into the vehicle which in turn means that there's much less heat for the refrigeration unit to extract. And therefore, it's got more chance of lasting a whole working day in operation before it runs out of power. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. And of course, uh, the other that I mentioned is uh, if we do go for independent battery arrays, then those are fine. But you've got to remember, that batteries are pretty heavy things. And you have to be careful that uh, you don't add too much unwelcome weight to the vehicle to render it dysfunctional in having a, a totally uh, inadequate payload. On top of that, you know, you can supplement uh, your power on board by using on-board charging devices or by using um, uh, solar panels attached to the outside of the vehicle, mm. which can generate a small current, even in our climate. And uh, it could make the difference between completing a day's work without fully depleted batteries or not. So um, those are some of the things that are appropriate. The other thing in conjunction with um, the WLTP directive I mentioned is that there's a lot of focus on the uh, shape and frontal area of a vehicle with a view to ensuring that it's as streamlined as possible. And therefore, we're studying closely the options to have refrigeration units which don't have any visible external components and therefore which have less potential to affect the vehicle's original aerodynamics. For decades, we've taken mechanical energy from an engine and almost overnight, we've got to completely rethink that. So that's that's the big challenge that we're all dealing with.
0: So. Let's talk a little bit about the growth of the business over the the years, because, uh, you know, as we said at the top of the show, you're the UK's largest um, leading manufacturer now of temperature-controlled vans. How will you ensure that that growth continues in the same way over the next five to ten years, let's say?
1: All right. Uh, Well, uh, I think that's straightforward. Um, Much as we have done over the last ten years... Probably the most important thing is that we continue to present ourselves as great innovators. And that's how my small company gets itself noticed. And in fact, we've won numerous awards for innovation. Mm. Uh, The most recent in uh, uh, December, which was the uh, Watt Van Award for uh, Innovation for 2021. And we're recognized by the judges for. Uh, describing our selection of uh, materials that we use in the construction of our, uh, our conversions, which uh, for the first time uh, in this industry uh, eliminates wood completely uh, from the construction. Hmm. And uh, what this means is that by using alternative uh, lightweight materials, we end up with far better payload on board the vehicle. But also, crucially for me as an employer, it means that some of the components that we're moving around Uh, in the assembly of these vehicles, are much lighter and much safer for manual handling. So that's sort of typical of um, one of the recent innovations. Mm. Uh, Prior to that, we won um, an innovation award for uh, producing um, a small insulated body for a a local uh, food service company where they had a goal of carrying 1,200 kilograms on board. And this had been a challenge in recent times because the vehicles themselves keep getting heavier now this time they're getting heavier because of batteries and motors but previously they were getting heavier because of the need to add uh, additional equipment and uh, and liquids to the vehicle so you may have heard of the um expression uh, add blue and uh, add blue is a, a substance that uh, uh that treats exhaust gases so there are f- fewer uh, nitrogen oxides uh, emitted, and uh, these are very unwelcome gases which uh, cause a lot of ill health and uh, all sorts of uh, unpleasant side effects. Mm. So, we're recognized um, for coming up with methods of, of building bodywork which uh, forfeited far less of the vehicle's usable payload. So, I hope I'm making sense here and not getting too technical in terms of uh, vehicles. Um, I think I'm with you still. <laughs> right now, uh, you know, as we discussed, uh, this challenge of vehicle electrification to deal with um, it, it, it is indeed a challenge, but it it provides huge scope for creative thinking and uh, identifying how to tackle the, the the range of problems that this trend brings. It's it's a great thing to immerse ourselves in to stay ahead of uh, other conventional thinking. Uh, you know, obviously, we've got to stay real good at what we're doing, and we've just got to stay ahead of, you know, albeit a limited field of competitors. But there is a great deal of uh, innovation going on elsewhere, and I'm, I'm I'm never so arrogant and complacent as to think we'll simply prevail if we don't continue to uh, think differently and to continue to position ourselves as a, a partner of great value to our customers.
0: So, we've talked about what the next five to 10 years would look like and what the roadmap is for for that success. What do you think are the biggest risk factors or the biggest blockers that will stop you from seeing that that success that you've just outlined?
1: Okay, well, probably uh, the the biggest threat in the short term, believe it or not, is the availability of new vans. Because uh, without new vans, we've got little to do. And the reason there are so few vans. Is the legacy of uh, COVID era factory shutdowns, where all the van manufacturers in the world uh, closed for several months during the first lockdown, mm. and, uh, and 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 the legacy of that, coupled with with other things that are that are very current. For example, there's a, a worldwide shortage of semiconductors mm. that's, that's often reported in the media these days. Because I think what's reported is that during COVID. Van manufacturers and car manufacturers have stopped manufacturing because their non-essential supply chains and retail outlets have had to close. Whereas on the other hand, everybody uh, residing at home and not going to work means there's been a huge surge in sales of uh, video gaming. And therefore, the people who make video gaming consoles have commandeered supply of all the microchips. Uh, And therefore, it's wreaking havoc for the motor industry as, as there's now an inadequate supply of these components. And many van manufacturing factories are working short time or even closing for periods, such as the acuteness of the shortage. Um, there are other things that, uh, that that are risks to us. You know, certainly now we've passed the Brexit transitionary period. Uh, some uncertainty has been unlimited. But we're still finding it's taking a long time for supplies to go either way across the EU-UK border these days. Um, Another factor is, of course, um, you know the relationship between pound sterling and the euro. Mm-hmm. That has a, a huge potential to, to to disrupt what we might attempt to produce our our, our business planning uh, models on. You know, if the currency goes the wrong way, just by a, a small amount. So, you know, to to hedge against that, we do some we do some forward buying of currency and that kind of thing to protect us against um, uh, some of that. Uh, uh, volatility. And of course, uh, I don't know, the other threat that lingers, you know, whilst it's declining uh, mercifully in the UK, that there is still a COVID threat. And so we have to remain focused on upholding the the recommended guidance for workplaces, you know, regularly reviewing the implications of, of all the developments in that context. Um, and, and on the bright side, of course, we expect a strong resurgence of demand as the economy recovers and particularly as pubs, hotels, the licensed trade and the catering trades are permitted to reopen, I expect that we'll see uh, a steep upturn in demand uh, for our products to satisfy that growth.
0: Really interesting. Rupert, we we end the show every week with the same question that we ask everyone, which is, tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable.
1: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, that's a tough one because there's so many useful things these days, aren't there? But uh, (laughs) surely for me, uh, it has to be the great invention of uh, refrigeration.
0: (laughs) How did I know you were going to say that?
1: (laughs) But It was pioneered in 1902 by a man called Willis Carrier, who was actually trying to treat some air in a factory where they were having difficulty printing, but there was too much humidity. And uh, he found that if you pass the air over some cooling fins you actually removed a lot of the moisture from it at the same time. Oh, and so uh, air conditioning was born, and, uh, and the refrigerating systems that we use today are very much derived from that invention that's more than 100 years old. So, so, so that's probably my answer. Uh, although, apart from that, you know, you've got to ask yourself, uh, Nathan, uh, who could live in the 21st century without a smartphone?
0: No one, not the kids. I can't. <laughs> I mean, we tried to do we tried to do this phone on an, on an iPhone, uh, which didn't work out. But um, but yeah, that's probably a good one. Refrigeration and the iPhone. Yeah, good ones.
1: Yeah, we need them both. Yeah.
0: Well, all it leads me to say is thank you to today's guest, Rupert Gatti. Thank you very much for being on the show. Do
1: you know, Nathan, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. I found it remarkably. Uh, Uh, refreshing and stimulating having to address some of your questions. So thank you.
0: Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Please subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and Google Music. Thank you for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nathan Anibaba. See you next time.